Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, the podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Rusty. Welcome to Arcade Repair Tips, Episode 71. I'm your host, Eric, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Rusty. Hey, Rusty, how are you today? Just fine. Glad to be here. Ready to rock and roll. Or this evening, I guess I should say. Yes, it's kind (laughs) of late. Well, this time, last time we talked about the arcade and setting up this new arcade, and that was kind of away from our typical format, and we're going to get back into answering questions and talking about how to repair things, as the name of the show implies, right? (laughs) Yeah, we certainly would like to see more of that and more questions to come in and roll in, see if we can't help them. Try to get a little bit quicker to those questions, get them answered and get them out so people aren't waiting three three months to get their answers. (laughs) Yeah, ideally we want to be back on track to be doing this every month, and I think that's going to happen pretty pretty soon. And we have a stack of, we're going to do something a little bit new with this Starting with this episode, of course, we have the questions that have been sent in through podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. And uh, some of these actually come in. Tim and uh, Jonathan send some of these questions to us that have come to them. It's kind of an overflow going to them. But what we're going to do different starting with this episode is talk about some of the repairs that we've done here at the arcade that we would like to think are kind of common items that might be helpful uh, with you guys. So uh, we're going to jump into that shortly. Before we go into any kind of questions, Rusty, do you want to talk about what's coming up on the arcade scene? Uh, I guess we've got something coming up in about a month and a half down here in the Texas area. Yeah, well, I think a few people heard about it before. (laughs) I was asking somebody today, I think it was you, we were talking about it today because I was explaining to folks that it's a pretty big show. Yeah, and what we're talking about is the Texas Pinball Festival, which is at the end of March specifically. I can almost see the banner March from here. March 28th is March that Saturday. March 27th through 29th. That starts on a Friday evening and goes all day Saturday and then through like 2 o'clock, two o'clock. 3 o'clock or yeah. so. 2 o'clock, on. then they give prizes till 3, and then they cut everybody loose. You Generally about 3 o'clock to come home. Right, got everybody loose. That's a nice. Thing. They let they let people leave. So you're you're actually locked in the place until. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They have armed guards standing at the door, <laughs> making sure you stay and have fun. This is in Dallas, Texas. Uh, really, Frisco, which is the north side of Dallas, Texas. And if you've never been, go. It's and it's not strictly a pinball festival. It there are video games there. There are arcade games there. Uh, but it is mostly pinball machines. And as far as the quantity, I think there's, what, probably about 300 pinball machines or so. Yeah, I think they were inching up on 400 last year. It was quite a quite a group of, of games they had there. Or maybe that was 400 total. 300 maybe, yeah, I think 400 and, total. And uh, usually about 100 video games or yeah. so. It's a, it's a great thing to, uh, to go to. Uh, great show. Yeah, uh, it really is. They do a great job up there. It's very well organized. The the convention center that they have it in, it's got ample parking, easy to get in and out of. It's right close to the freeways, easy to get, you know, so you're not just backed up in traffic and trying to find a place to park. It's really a great place. And if you're interested in trying to start a collection or add to your collection. It's a great place to buy games, right? Buying games there, every, just about every game's for sale and You'll Every also, one of them is for sale for the right price. For the right, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Everything has its price. And there's usually a very good 
uh, flea market. Or oh, that's right. On Saturday, Saturday morning, morning. I don't know what the times are, but probably starting at about 8 o'clock until everybody gets tired until they get tired of sitting <laughs> out outside. there right and it depends on how cold it is and whether or not it's raining as to whether and how long the 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 flea market actually lasts the trade show the yeah. swap meet actually and i think lasts. last year was pretty good i don't remember any rain last year one year no, it was really nice last year well, yeah I, I have been there when it was raining and it kind that of, really puts a damper on a lot of things yeah but uh, but it's a great show it's uh if if you're able to come to it it's worth it's worth going to and if you do come make sure you come back to the just walk, wander through Far come on to the back backyard. right corner yep but come back you'll you'll see the only delorean sitting on the floor <laughs> come by and say hey i'm probably hanging there eric stops by a lot so make sure you stop by and say hey tell us you listen to our podcast and how terrible we sound yeah we'll we'll uh We'll get we'll comfort you for the the trouble of listening to this. Absolutely. Any uh, what else is going on upcoming? I don't think there's really any show in this area. We of Texas really has the two shows. We we have TPF Texas Pinball Festival. And then we have the Houston Arcade Expo, which is this this year will be in November. Sometimes it's in October. Sometimes November. I think. Uh, I think it's November this year. Yeah, and TPF actually slipped a little bit too because generally TPF is right around spring break when all mm-hmm. the schools are, and this is actually the end of March, and it's not during spring break up here anyway. So I think it's also slipped a few, few days as well. Right, right. Yeah, and that, you know we really don't have any shows that are close to Texas either, do we? No, no. Then they actually, I think, and then. I think it's really toward the what the end of the year that you get into all the big shows. Right. The, the what's that one called in Pit Pinburg? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's more. Uh, and that one's I think more of a tournament than it is a yeah. show. But it it is a show. But it's uh, you're right. No. Well, you know, before another thing before we get into the questions, what uh, what do we have new at the arcade? What have we picked up recently that we've put out on the floor? We put a several things on the floor here recently, things we've been working on trying to get. The Austin Powers, oh my God, the Austin Powers pinball machine was just difficult, so it difficult. Was very it problematic. It was. It, we got it for a decent price. Oh, it almost worked. We played with it. Actually played it a few times, a couple of times. and then It haunted us. And then it went downhill. I mean, like, like just... A bobsled and sl- in snow, just boom! It was just done. And gosh, that took a while to get that done. <laughs> Sorry, that may sound like a a uh, kind of a hard edit there, but we had uh, somebody pop in and say, "Hey!" In the yeah, uh, he had to booth. step in and congratulate Eric. It seems Eric had won uh, tournament, maybe. Yeah, the uh, our local league. I'm. One of our star pinball players, Phil Grimaldi, he he always seems to win it, and I'm always right there at his heels. I have so many second places to him, and I finally beat him last night. So. Well, that's awesome. Let's 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 we 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 thought we wouldn't talk that much about pinball a little bit, but we kind of went to the festival and now the tournament. But let's just cover this a minute because I'm telling people all the time they they want to come up to the arcade. They come to the arcade to vid- play the video games, but they end up staying to play the pinball machines, you know. And, and there's more people, more and more people are liking the pinball. And we try to get them involved into our uh, pinball league here, which is the Space City Pinball League, mm-hmm. which is here stationed here in Houston. And they have a ladies-only group called Bells and Chimes. And what's interesting about that 
is we have some world-class, literally world-class players yes. Yes. at the Space City Pinball League. And when we look at the IFPA, which is International Flipper Pinball Association. Sounds they, good to me. Yep, where they do all the rankings. We've got, what, three or four top 50? Uh, top well, no, 100? not in the world. It's, it's far, yeah, I, th when, I think Phil is up in the, somewhere in the 50s. Uh, there are several Texas people that are up high. There's, uh, uh, gosh, Cal Colin McAlpine. He is, where is he? I think he's San Antonio or Austin. Yeah. And, um, oh, uh, Bowden. Steve, Steve Bowden. Bowden. Yeah. He's down in Austin or San Antonio as well. And they're, all the, those three guys are, are, you know, some of the best in the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we have here, if you look, if you center that down into Texas, some of the, most of the best players are here at the Space City Pinball. Well, and what we have, what we have in Houston with the Space City uh, Pinball League is a lot of venues. You can you can almost play in a tournament every night, and it's getting that way. It's, That's awesome. It's, it's right. I mean, there's the Sunday at Einstein's. There's the Three Strikes at the Game Preserve, Game Preserve. North location. The league at Joysticks. There's, uh, I know I'm missing something. Well, the Bells and Chimes do one as well, a monthly and a, uh, and they're actually going to start a uh, weekly tournament. And I believe that starting soon here at the Webster location, our NASA yeah, location, it's, it's we're going to have a two weekly, weeks, yeah. mid mid February. We're going to start having weekly location. tournaments here. Yeah. So it's yeah. if you like pinball and like playing in tournaments, Houston is a great place to be right now. It really now. is. It we have really has come up a lot, you know, and I'm really happy to see other venues picking up the pinball and we're looking at Cidercade coming in downtown. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, well, really, they that's, still? that's a, an off-air discussion with you because I found out some uh -oh. – I, I inquired about that yesterday with some people. But, yeah, you know, maybe they'll be here. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and people have asked us before concerned about that, and it's just a different venue. It's it's They sell cider. They sell alcohol. We don't do that. We're, so it's I'm really glad to see more people, more places bringing into pinball. And, and you know, arcade. Houston is huge, not only a large population, but geographically this is an oh. enormous city and when you talk about another arcade coming in the chances of it being within five or ten miles of you is in, incredibly unlikely you know yeah. it, it's it's a anywhere you go in Houston is an hour away yeah how, <laughs> how many miles is it between here and and the woodlands uh, it's the I don't know miles but I know it's about an hour, about an hour. if, yeah. if traffic on the freeway is flowing like it should it's an hour away yeah. so yeah. it's probably 50 plus yeah. miles from so here. just between our two locations one on the north side one on the south side we're an hour apart so yeah that's there's lots of room for <laughs> for places to play for sure well i'll tell you what i guess we can jump right into uh some of the questions yeah let's do that, do that. you want to do the questions and then talk about our yeah. toys next yep <laughs> All right, so let's go straight into the first one from Krista. Krista asks, I just purchased a hard driving, you know, I, say, I always say that, hard driving. Yeah, and there's, there's no, no G, G on uh -uh. the end of it. I need to put like an apostrophe there, so I, uh, exactly. don't say it like that. I just purchased a hard driving arcade machine, and when I turned it on, there was no sound, and the monitor is white with orange lines. Can you help me, please? Well, first of all, hard driving... The game itself is kind of pretty cool. It's, it, it, it was is a very cool game. You know, when you look at it today and you compare it to games that you may play on an Xbox, there's nothing exceptional about it. But when that game was new back in, 
It was late 80s. I don't think it was the 90s yet. I, I'm trying to remember when I played it, where I played it when it was new. I think it's like late, maybe 88-ish or so. Yeah, I, I, it, I thought it was earlier Well, than that. we have one here. We're both looking at one. Uh, <laughs> but it's trying to be you know, over We're old men, and our eyesight just isn't what it used to be. So it's a little too far for uh, us to see what year it is. But anyway, it was pretty advanced for the, uh, the time that it came out. And uh, it not only had for its time pretty cool graphics but it had a medium res monitor it had a higher resolution monitor than what you would have in some of the other games but it was it was pretty as far as a simulator goes it was uh you know it also had i never really thought about this but it has force feedback on it that may have been the first arcade game with force feedback you I mean, are correct. In 1989. Oh, Rusty's looking, looking it up on Wikipedia. Okay, how close was I? 1989. You oh, were right. Oh, I was it. all over it. Yep, right on it. So anyway, so you have this simulation game. Uh, First that, 3D polygon driving environment. Look at that. Look at how that. How about Wikipedia is awesome. <laughs> uh, but it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool game for its time. Oh pretty yeah, advanced it's for its time. It's still play. fun. Yeah, still fun. Still fun game. But the question is, when I turned it on, there was no sound, and the monitor is white with orange lines. So, you know, immediately my first thought is that it's playing blind. If you can't credit it up, you know, we go through this a lot. You know, if the if you get no 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 picture. Now, she talked. Krista talks about a uh, white screen with orange lines. I think what she's seeing is just like she says, a white screen. The orange lines are probably more like red lines, and those are probably retrace lines from the uh, monitor, like the brightness is probably just turned up. If you, if you, um, if you t have your brightness turned up too high on, a, on your monitor, what you'll have are these kind of diags, mostly horizontal but slightly diagonal lines that are called retrace lines. So when the... Uh, when the electron gun runs its beam across like an old school typewriter, it goes across, goes down to the next line, goes across. Well, when it gets down to the bottom, it scoots its way back up to the top. But it does that after drawing about 10, 15, 20 lines, kind of widely spaced horizontal lines going up to the top. The beam is supposed to be turned off when that's happening. But if you have your brightness cranked up, you're going to see it. So that's probably... Uh, you know, probably what's what she's seeing. There is there is another word on here that that I think oh, indicates yeah? something else, where it says there was no sound mm -hmm. and the monitor. So I don't think it's playing blind. I think no, no, I don't, I don't, dead. I agree, I agree with that, yeah. Rusty. I do not think it's playing blind. I think it's just not outputting the game board is is probably not outputting anything, and the monitor just the brightness is turned up yeah. high enough where yeah. where there would be no image. Uh, you know that's and one thing you can't if if you're going to tackle this one thing you can do in a situation like this where you see this odd screen image that once again I think it's just the brightness turned up what you can do to kind of determine if the game board is outputting that uh, video versus it just you know no no image is unplug the signal input from the monitor on any monitor well not any on most monitors that you're going to deal with minimal connections you've got a power connection yep and you have your signal input connection you may have a satellite board for your adjustments for some of your your, your you know br you know brightness vertical yeah. verticals all the all those things but so it's not going to be hard to find which plug that is and it just unplugs there's going to typically be about 
one, two, three, four, five, six wires six on wires. it. And just unplug it. If the screen doesn't change, well, you know that that game board is not outputting that screen. Cool. It's there you go. So that's that's go. pretty. Now, let's say it is the game board. You know, the next thing you do, simple stuff, power. Power. Check power. Always check power. You know, be, beyond that, it gets more complex, uh, but yeah. check power. Yeah, go to your power first. See what you get. Make sure you get nice, smooth power there. Um, and then... Yeah, if you're not, ooh, some of the it depends on the game then as to where you can go next to figure out where it's dying. Yeah, and that <laughs> game board hard drive, and I, I know we did an EEPROM swap on one of those so that we could link two of them up up in yes. the woodlands, and that's a pretty complex game yeah, board. Yeah, Lots of EEPROMs on. I mean, there's a whole lot going on on that game board, so it gets, it you know, gets pretty deep at that yeah. point. Yeah, but you know, probably the what I would suggest though is. Just let's just get the simple, easy stuff out of the way. Check your power. Make sure you got the right power. But the next step would be to unplug all the connections and plug them back yes. in again. And because it could be a bad connection, could be a dirty connection, could right. be something. And and take your finger, machine off, everything turned off. Take your thumb, and all the socketed IC chips. Give them a little push. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're in. If they if they're not seated right. It's going to sound like you're stepping on crickets. Yep. As it just crunches in there. And, and that's a we great We should have that sound. as a sound effect. <laughs> because it's a very chickens. distinctive it sound, is. and everybody that works on these games knows that sound. Yeah, yeah. And and when you hear that sound, it makes you kind of happy because you, you think, know, oh, it wasn't in there it all, wasn't the all the way. And why does it do that? It's what we call chip creep. The chips heat up, they cool down, they heat up, they cool down, and they inch their way a little bit over time out of the little sockets. Okay, so I think we've... We beat that one, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Rusty, do you want to read the yeah, next one? Yeah, let's do the next one. All right, so Mr. John says, I have a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade cabinet. He's owned it for about a year. Just recently, the screen went all black. I can still hear the sound. Can anybody <laughs> tell me what I need to do to fix this? Well, John, your screen died. <laughs> so John basically is saying that he has a game that plays blind. So... We don't really even have to talk about what game it is. We can just say, okay, vi this I've got a video game. It was working. Now I have a black screen, but what I can still hear this. I can credit it up. And so classic playing blind. Now, if you really want to determine if the game board is putting any, it, it is theoretically possible that your game board is not putting any video out. And, but most likely, your monitor is probably bad. not. Yeah, yeah, probably probably not the case. So you do the you you go for the I always say this the low hanging fruit. You go for the low hanging fruit first. Is there a is there a fuse for the monitor? Did that do you do you are you getting power to the monitor? Now here's where we get into somewhat dangerous territory, and I mean this as a shock hazard dangerous danger. What you want to do is that the first thing that I'm going to do is check to see if you have 120 volts coming into the monitor. All these monitors have a type of plug, like a Molex plug. Sometimes it's three position with a ground on it. Sometimes, usually it's just a two position, but you unplug it, you put your multimeter on AC, you measure 100, 120 volts on it. Sorry, I know this, sometimes people listen to this show in other countries. In the US, we're 120 volts, Europe, 
240, Japan 100 volts, you know, it's going to be different from country to country, but you're going to measure. Now, here's where it gets dangerous. If you, as you stick the probe in that plug, you essentially have two metal, bear. Bear, metal probes that are right next to each other with voltage, line yeah. voltage on it. And if you touch either, you know, if you touch it, it's going to zap you. Now, I am saying this from experience. <laughs> I have, I have done that. You know, and you're you're always really careful that you don't touch the probes to each other. But I've, <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, I guarantee you that fuse that goes when you do that does not go fast enough for you not to feel it. <laughs> You so check, you know, you're going to check that first. You have power to the monitor. Now, now that you have your meter out and you're checking that, here's another thing you can do. You've got your, um, you've got your plug that plugs into the monitor that gives the signal input. We just talked about it on the previous question. You've got six connectors on there. You've got red, green, blue, ground. Oh gosh, I always forget this. Does it go horizontal sync or vertical sync next? I can't remember which. But anyway, you've got red, green, blue, ground. I think uh, it's horizontal, then vertical. Yeah. So what you can do, you just make sure you know which one is which. If, you, if you're confused about it, look at the schematic. A lot of monitors will have a little symbol, like a little sticker, yeah. a little piece of paper on the, on the metal part of the cabinet that shows you which pin is which. Okay. So you, you go back to your meter, leave it on AC, just like you had it before. You put your ground lead in the ground part of that connector and you check your red, green, and blue for output. And you will, now this is, ideally for this, you want to use like an oscilloscope so you could really see what's going on there. But this is, this is not the ideal way of checking it, but it works. If you see zero volts AC on the red, green, and blue, you're getting nothing out from your monitor. What you, would, what you will see if everything's working is somewhere around two volts or so yeah, it's, it's, it's jumping all over the place because it's not a steady signal it's 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 yeah. fluctuating like crazy according to what's being put on the screen but you will know if something is coming out of the game board if you do that yeah. so at that point you know if you if you have voltage to the monitor and you have signal input coming into the monitor bad monitor then you make the decision. Do I, Mortal Kombat is, uh, even though that's a what I'm calling a newer game, a 90s game, it's still a CGA monitor, still a standard res monitor. You can get through another 19. Oh, did Mortal Kombat have, is that a 20? Uh, or yeah, it's a bigger monitor. It's okay. not a 19. But still, there's there's no problem finding a 25-inch yeah. CGA monitor. So that, that, or troubleshoot the monitor, and, you know, that's a, yeah, we could go on and on and on about that. Well, the whole the whole thing is you're gonna have you're gonna need to either pull the chassis of that monitor and fix it yourself, or pull the monitor and get, take it somewhere and get them to fix it, or pull the monitor and put another monitor in there. Right. The whole thing here is your monitor has gone kaput. It can be fixed. Don't just take it out and put it on the sidewalk. Tubes are getting hard Tubes, to they harder are and harder, harder to, come, to by. come by. We kind of. Somebody, the guys, I have brought some folks to my shop the other day and they walked into our warehouse and saw all the monitors we have. We have one room just full of nothing but monitors. There's probably 25, 30 monitors just sitting in there because we're not throwing them away and they were impressed with how many monitors because you don't throw it away. It can be fixed, you know, but you'll definitely need either to get that one fixed or get another one, find one that works and put one in there. So anyway, let's jump on to the next one. Next one is from Michelle. Hi, I have an Arcade Legends self-standing game. 
The model number is 9500 upright. The machine turns on and you're able to use the rollerball to select your game, but when you want to choose the game, it won't select. Therefore, it will not play any game. It's as if the start button or selection button is not working. Also, the volume is extremely loud. Any help or suggestions would be great. Thanks. And before we jumped into this podcast, we we both said, oh, I think we've got an Arcade Legends over, yeah, it's over at here. It's at the other location. It's at the other. We've got a, what is this one? This one is Arcade Classics. Classic, something okay. like that, yeah. So basically what these Arcade Legends, Arcade Classics, what they are is now uh, the Legends, is that? That is still a computer in it and not a game board, right? I'm pretty Correct. sure. I'm almost positive Correct. it is. They're, they're fully licensed mains. Right. Right. And that's exactly what they are. It's emulation running off of a computer. So the question is, hey, select button doesn't work, start button doesn't work. So the trackball works. But what we don't know is why we don't know why the select and start buttons don't work. Now, looking at this, it could be more than just those it could be that none of the buttons work because yeah. the trackball you can move things with the trackball but that's a different interface different, versus yep. versus the buttons so the way that any of these games work is that you have essentially a common ground on all of the push buttons and for every when you close that connection you've got a wire that says hey this is you know start this is select whatever so my initial thought on this is that it is a wiring problem. Like, uh, man, I wish we had that game here. I wish we yeah, were at the other we location. We go look straight at it. So but, I could tell you what kind of yeah. connector it has and, and all of that. But I'm with you. It's, I, I'm pretty sure that what this sounds like here, start button is not working. Uh, it's going to be a, a button issue. It could be the cherry switch on the button could be bad. Because if you can't yeah. hit the start button, you can't test the other buttons. But you can Open that coin door, there is a test switch. Get in there and get into test mode. Inside the coin door, there is a test mode. Get it into test mode. One of the options in test mode is to be able to do a button test. Then you can test all your buttons. Then you can see whether or not, if it's just one button or is it across buttons. And if it's across multiple buttons, You've probably lost your ground, ground. daisy chain. That things. ground wire just daisy chains across all the buttons yeah. and there's probably a break in it. Another thing I was thinking about as you were talking, well, since it's a, essentially a computer-based game, there is some type of interface that, like, on your similar to your keyboard, and built into your computer keyboard, you've got an interface that converts that so it goes into USB. Well, there's got to be something like that in there as well. Like, with the, if, you're, if you build a MAME machine, they have these things called, what are they called, iPacks, I believe? I've never had them. <laughs> I built one many, many, many years ago. But it's, you, it, you have to interface it with the computer so that it plugs into the USB, and then it's like a little breakout box. That, yeah. that way you have all your input. So, you know, it's, it's likely to be whatever that interface device is or the, Could be that. Yeah. the wiring yeah. itself to, the, to the buttons. The good news, though, is your game still runs. The game's still there. It's boot. It's got signs of life. So, and you can run through the selections. Everything there is happy. I just think you're just going to have to figure out where that, where the either short is, the button's bad, you know. Um, I so, suspect that trackball is probably just a HAP USB trackball. Yeah, they're just standard. Balls. I mean, that would, when they're building it, they, that was, I'm sure that's how they would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just go into the, uh, just, if you go through the coin door, you can reach up underneath 
and you will find latches. Undo the latches for the control panel, flip the control panel over, and you'll be able to see what's going on there and maybe see what's going on with your buttons. Okay. You want to do the next one? Yeah, so Jamie bought an MBA jam, and the fuse in the transformer keeps blowing. He hears sounds for life for about five seconds, and then no power or anything turns on. He checked the fuses again, and sure enough, one of the two fuses has blown out. Please help me. I'm not sure what's wrong. Okay. So he has what is NBA jam blows. He had two fuses down in the bottom, and we did not pull up the schematic for this one. It's it's pretty common for games to have more than one. I mean, a lot of these games, a lot of the older ones have five fuses in yeah, it for whatever six reason. Fuse, yep, and you really have to look at the schematic to see what the fuses are for. And I, I think the most common setup, I don't know if there are any exceptions to this, um, it's, it's you're, you typically have a main fuse coming in before, before you even go through the transformer or into the switch mode power supply, whatever. You've got this primary fuse and everything runs off of it. The game, yes. the monitor, the marquee light, Everything you know goes through that, so it's, it's typically so it's going to be your mains input voltage 120 volts. So it may only be a one or two amp fuse. So we first have to talk about which fuse is it that blows, and or more specifically, not not like is it F1 or F2, but like what does it do? What what is that yeah. fuse protecting? You could have a fuse just for the monitor. You Sometimes have, it's written on the. If you're really lucky, it's written on the right. board itself. So that's that's what you really and in this question he does not state he just says I checked the fuses again and one of the two fuses blew out and he may not even be seeing all the fuses that are in there so that does, correct just because you see two fuses doesn't mean that there aren't more in a different spot correct so it's it's really you're gonna have to do a little digging on that to see what the you got to pull that schematic out dig into it see what the fuses are for. Yeah. And, you know, because it'll split the load, you know, the monitor will be on one. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying the same thing I said earlier. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, and one thing I will say, do not do not try to put in a bigger fuse or try to wrap the fuse in tinfoil or all those other crazy things. Use a 22 bullet. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can. You can yeah. only do it once, you do but it you can do once. it. Yeah. But, no, it, it's, you will find out if you do put a bigger fuse and other stuff in it, you will find out exactly what. You'll find out what's causing it what's to blow. Because you'll <laughs> get all sorts of smoke out of it then. <laughs> they're there for a reason. They are set for the size they are for a very specific reason. And another thing about fuses, you have normal fuses or fast blow fuses and you have slow, slow blow blows. fuses. The fast blow fuses are more common, yep. but you still sometimes do have slow blow fuses. And you know, there's all, in the world of arcade repair, there is the long running joke of it's just a fuse. Yep. And every once in a while you will see it being just a fuse because they will put the if you if the designation for that particular fuse is for a slow blow fuse see this in pinball a lot and you put a fast blow in it of the same amperage value doesn't take long it will blow that fuse when there's not a problem yeah. but that's, yes. <laughs> that's yeah that's very that's rare a, it's a rare occasion yeah, yeah, so yeah they're very rare but figure out where your which fuse is it figure out why where does that fuse goes what is it power 
does is that your main fuse that's taking everything out if it's a main fuse it could be anything it could yeah. be your marquee light or it could be the transformer it could be it could power supply it could be a bunch of different things but once you get past that if it's one of the other fuses something that that it, then it gets more specific circuits right then you'll be able to you have to diagnose try that again you have to diagnose what is actually causing the fuse to blow and you have to know what circuit fix that first and then go back because but have some fuses on hand because you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go through them let's jump on to the next one which is also from jamie spelled differently so we're gonna assume it's a different Me. jamie i purchased a miss pac-man and the screen is blurry and discolored i've tried adjusting it but to no relief also i get from the speakers also all i get wow I, you know what I'm having problems You're, now. Yeah, yeah, we're doing this really well tonight. I should rewrite we're not this. Not even drinking. I know. I should rewrite this in Eric speak. <laughs> so there's um, there's uh, static in the speakers. All right. So pack Miss Pac-Man. We're gonna assume it's all original. Screen is blurry and discolored. The blurry screen. If you have a blurry screen, we're just gonna we're gonna assume that it's not a layer of dirt on the <laughs> plexi, yeah. which we say that jokingly, but only half jokingly. Oh, it's it's always there. I don't know how many machines we've got out. I've tried. I'm sitting. I'm trying to adjust the focus and different things, and it just. And I realized, all right, give me some Windex. And next thing you know, Windex, you go, wow, that's a nice And, and we're picture. not talking about, like, what you can get to, not the top layer that you can get to yeah. easily. Like, you have to take the bezel, monitor bezel off. And sometimes there's two layers. Like, yeah. well, on a, well, let's see, on a Miss Pac-Man, are there? Uh, I think there's two. One. I think there's. Yeah, there's a smoke glass there's on There's a smoke glass, yeah. So there's a clear plexi, then there's and a smoke And so you'll plexi. have the underneath of the yeah. clear plexi. And then you're going to have the, the both sides of the smoke part Plexi. of the glass yep. and then you're going to have the monitor itself and that's but it's three layers eric how does dirt get to i three know layers? exactly how does it get well now it, in all seriousness those monitors you know that's high voltage and static there's a lot of static electricity on that on that monitor it will suck in the dust so you know i said that in passing like it's like it wasn't the problem but it you know it could be part of the problem but i'm going to jump to the fact the, he says it's discolored kind of says yeah, that it's yeah. not. And a Miss Pac-Man, you know, back then, you know, the common monitors were the Electrohome G07, the Wells 4900 or the 4600. Those were, it's all, it almost positively has one of those monitors in it if it's the original monitor. And as soon as you say blurry, you know, you think about the flyback and the adjustments on the, the flyback, is for those who don't know it's it's the how would you describe it? it's most most often cylindrical with yeah. a kind of it looks like it's a really it's the biggest device on your on the the on the chassis board it looks like what is a really thick gauge wire coming off of it oftentimes red that does a little loop-de-loop -loop and then it goes, goes to, to the, the suction cup suction cup don't touch that yeah and that that it's actually not a thick gauge. It just has a tremendous amount of insulation in because it. Because you don't want to touch it. Yeah. So it's the high voltage output. Well, anyway, on the flyback, on the base of that, there are there's there's two adjustments. You've got a brightness and a focus. Sometimes the second adjustment will be like on a Geo Seven. You got like a little saddle. Sometimes it's not right on the flyback, but it'll be right next to it. So adjust that you know get your mirror out and adjust that and see if that's it now discoloration 
That to me says degaussing. degaussing. And these monitors do have degaussing built into it, but it's not a good degaussing unit. It basically turns, when you first turn the monitor on, if, it, if it's cold, it will run that degaussing coil for a very brief time, and then you're done. Yeah. And to properly degauss it, well, sure, you can just turn it on every hour. <laughs> just turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. But but a, they sell degaussing coils that you plug in and just, there's a whole art to it. I'm sure there's a YouTube channel, but you you kind of get it up close to it, turn it. You can't leave them on long. No. You, know, you, you don't want to leave it on longer than about five or ten seconds. It gets hot pretty quick. And you just put it up to the face of the monitor and kind of pull back on it and... You just have to kind of play. It's an art. It's it an is. art. It form. really is. And even when you know circle. what you're doing, yeah. it's still yeah. <laughs> you yeah. still have yeah. to fight with yeah, it. Yeah, I have one, and it's it is a challenge sometimes to get because what you'll see most likely on a monitor that needs to be degals is you will see color discoloration in the corners mm -hmm. or on the edges first. Right. Generally, you'll see it there first before you get to the. And if it does that, you when you put that degausser coil up there, you'll see it. It'll move around. It's kind of cool. You can. You can see how it kind of smears the color around. Yeah. So, okay. I'll do the next one. You want to do that one? Uh, let's see. Terrell, let's see. He has a Nintendo Play Choice cabinet, and I have one of those. That was working just fine. After it moves, it's now will not power on at all. Checked the cord, got good continuity. Saw your post on your site about testing the power supply, but I can't figure out which wires carry the AC and DC voltage. Any help is appreciated. Well, the good thing about Nintendos is they're pretty universal as far as how the power supply setup is. They they have yeah. uh, it's kind of this little module. It's like a little piece of plywood with the transformer and the and they were actually one. That's like the first use I remember seeing a switch mode power supply on a video game. I mean, back in the Donkey Kong days, everybody used linear power supplies and they had their switcher. Anyway. To the point of your question, the it comes in, and there are uh, the, you know you've got the transformer, but it goes straight into the transformer for the um, you've got on the Nintendos you have a 120 volt to 110 volt transformer. The lights, the marquee light, and the monitor are both 110 volts, but your uh, and I. Think I'm pretty sure that the switch mode power supply has 100 volt. Yeah, I know it does. I just uh, I worked on one about a month ago. I seem to recall. So it's everything is going through that transformer first. Yes. Everything. So put your meter on AC volts. Check the input. 120 volts input on the primary side of the transformer. 110 volts AC on the output or secondary side of the transformer. Quick correction, 100 volts output, not 110. Carry on. Now, if I remember correctly, I know that some of the Donkey Kongs do, but if I remember correctly, the monitor actually has a two-pronged plug, just like you would plug yes, into a regular correct. water. There do is... not plug that into a 110. You will be sorry that or you... Or 120. You will be sorry that you did. But that's you should check there next if yeah. it's got that that's actually those. a very good point rusty because that kind of fast forwards past yep. the transformer that's very very good very good so on all these nintendos you have you basically a 
or receptacle, a yeah. plug-in receptacle. Yeah. And it's like there a power is no, strip there, like inside you, your... Just like you said, there is no ground pin on it. It's just nope. two side-by-side. Side, yep. And you should be seeing 110 volts on that. Now, if that's good and you're looking at the switch mode power supply, and now we're into the world of DC, one thing that's kind of tough with the Nintendo cabinets is once they go to um, DC, they use these tiny little plugs, these... Um, it's, it's kind of tough to, to test, uh, not, not good test points on that. So you're going to have to really pull up that schematic and you're going to have to probe the, you're going to have to know exactly what you're probing. But there are multiple, there's two or three like um, long connectors, long thin connectors that plug into the, you know, that are for the power supply. But it's, it's not, yeah, I'm not trying to scare you away from that. It's just a little bit tougher yeah. than yeah. some of the other power supplies yeah. to find your DC voltages. Yeah. You know, and the other thing too, just about every motherboard and thing that I've seen, where the power goes in, there's usually a filter cap. There's usually yes. something right yes. there that you can test just as it goes into the board. And that's a great place. That is the best place to start. Look at your power. Look at your schematic. See yeah, look where at the schematic. Goes in. Right where the 5 volts comes in, you, just you, like Rusty said, uh, you'll have an electrolytic capacitor, kind of a higher value and that's where, like if I'm using a logic probe working on a game board, that's where I tie in, that's where I clip my alligator. Yeah, that's your five to. volts right in. Just, yep. just check it right there because that's, that's really the, the best place that will tell you whether or not your, your power supply is delivering what it should to the board because it may be delivering five volts out of the power supply, but after it goes through the wires and the plugs and the things, every connector, those connectors, connectors are the big yeah, problem. That's where your voltage drops. It may or may not be, give you five volts at that point. Yeah, and... As you, as you have the five volts coming, as you have your whatever your voltage rail is, you're coming into the game board. You go through your edge connector on it, and your game board draws whatever the amperage is. You know, yeah. five amps, let's say. Well, over time, that connector, you know, it's it does. It's, it, there's a little bit of resistance there. Well, then you throw Ohm's law into it, so. As the, you know, that resistance there, that tiny resistance causes a voltage drop and it basically kind of warms up. It, it's, it's like a uh, cascading failure. As it warms up, it causes more of a voltage drop. As it causes more of a voltage drop, it warms up more. And eventually you get to the point where you will see old game boards where essentially it's like burn marks yeah. on the edge connector. Yeah. And that's that's why because of the you know if there was very minimal current draw it it wouldn't happen but when you have a high current draw you you have failure at the edge connector yeah you know and I think that's something that that a lot of folks don't really consider now I never really considered it that much was the amount of heat that is actually dissipated and used and and changed on boards like this I mean you're talking small voltage five volts it's amazing how hot some of these things right. get with just five volts it's, it's really Ohm's law and the, it's the higher with, the amperage the more you know yeah the more, more resistance more resistance more heat it and and of course that's what causes your chip creep that we talked about earlier these connectors that go that, that have these issues and, and like I said we see the little burn marks all the time but you think well why doesn't that blow the fuse well it's not it's not excessive current it's not excessive current right it's just the heat right. that is being generated and, and so looping back to what you started saying so that extra resistance so you may have 
five volts coming out of your power supply, but by the time it gets to the logic chips, now all of a sudden we're down at 4.6, and that's no May bueno. Yeah. May not be enough. All right. I think, who are we at now? We're at Richard, right? Yeah, he has a demolition stand-up two-player game from Midway. When he powers it on, he has to push the reset button to get it to work. When it's up and running, it has blocks in the pitchers. Will a cap kit fix this problem? And where does he start? Well, the, the short answer to his last question, will a cap kit fix this problem? Unfortunately, no, that's, no. Uh, that's, that's not the problem. And he's really talking about two separate things here. Res where he has to keep resetting it, where it won't boot up. Eventually it does. And the other problem with the blocks, was it blocks on the screen or blocks missing? Blocks Which, in the picture. Blocks in the picture. Blocks in the picture. Of course, we don't have a picture for reference, but yeah. we'll just kind of Wing. visualize this as the, to the best of our ability. But the first thing, let's talk about the first thing, re needing to reset the game board. That just screams voltage problem to me. Uh, or let me rephrase that. That's where I would start with a yeah. check your voltage make sure that a lot of times you'll have multiple voltages on your game board uh, but your primary voltage is five volts that you're, you need to be concerned about the other voltage is when you have like 12 volts positive and negative five and sometimes you have negative 12 those are done for some usually like sound amplification they're they're not critical for the for the board game to, to run. boot so the first thing I would want to check is your voltage. And once again, back to the previous question, you check it on the game board itself, not yes. at the power supply. Yes. And another thing that you may want to do is look, once again, back to our previous question, when Rusty was talking about the capacitor on the power supply, wouldn't be a bad idea to replace if you've got a couple of filter capacitors on the power supply just as the power comes in, replace them. Yeah. If they're leaky, they could, they could be kind of pulling that voltage down if they're in, in bad shape. So check that. Now, the blocks on the screen, that's a that's something else. What, yeah. And I feel like I'm saying this too many times now. If we talk, go back to one of the previous questions where Rusty was talking about reseeding the chips. Now, this yeah. is not going to be an edge connector problem. This no. is not going to be the main connector on the game board. But what you can do is kind of a, a simple thing is push on all the socketed chips. Um, you know, I'll usually go a step further. I'll, I'll take the chip out with a, and you know, you, when you take a chip out, you gotta be careful that you don't bend the legs. Spray some deoxidant in there, inspect the, inspect the socket itself. And make um, sure all the legs are still on make it. Make sure all the legs are still on it. Now here's where it gets, Risk reward, yeah, we, that we exactly. have to talk about. There are some chips, you know, these chips now can be 30, 40 years old. There is a risk that you could lose a leg when you pop it out. Yep. And this is a Namco game. And a lot of the Namco, like if you, when you're talking about like Pac Man, Galaga, Pole Position, all the Namco games, they had these special Namco custom chips in it. And they are notorious for breaking a leg off if you try to remove them. And they're getting harder and harder 
and more expensive to find. Have you ever soldered a leg back on? I have absolutely <laughs> soldered. When you're when you're absolutely. at home working on a game board yeah. and it's nine o'clock at night and you don't want to go to the store, you don't want to. Well, you can't go to the store. You don't want to order one on eBay. Or you look up that chip and go, Oh man, that's ten dollars. That's fifteen dollars. <laughs> let's let's do some surgery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it can be ugly. And you know, actually, you know what? That's kind of a that's a good point we can talk about because I'm going to offer a suggestion on that. I don't know if you've done what I'm about to say, but if you have to do that, if you have to, um, okay, so if a leg breaks off, it can break off and leave you a little bit of metal or it can break off right up, like right up next to the, the plastic package. And, you know, you hope that it gives you some metal because then what you do is you clean off that metal to the best of your ability and you solder like you take a lead off a resistor or something and you solder that to it all right so a couple of things couple of tricks this is what i like to do i don't put that chip back in that same socket i put the chip into a brand new socket not a machine pin socket but like a single or dual wipe conventional socket and that socket in turn goes into the original socket that way you know if you ever have to take it out again it's kind of in its own little carrier and another thing is what I'll do is I'll take that resistor lead. Like I don't solder the that new lead onto it on the chip when it's on my bench. I'll put it into the socket so that way it's kind of pushed up against the chip. Yeah. You've already got that pressure applied to it, and you can solder it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So you pull the chip. You got a chip with a broken leg. First thing you do is you extract the broken leg out. Mm -hmm. Then you take your wire that you got off a resistor or something some little wire stick it down into that where that leg came from put the chip back in there and like eric said that wire will be relayed right up against mm -hmm. that little piece of metal you have sticking out then you can solder it back together again and rusty i have even gone a step further on several occasions when it's a break a break right up next to the chip i've taken out whatever it was a dremel i've taken something out the further that leg is away from the middle of the chip, the more success you'll have with this. Because that metal kind of goes up, does a 90 degree angle, and goes up inside that plastic case. And if it's pretty far from the middle, you can kind of cut back. I mean, look, you've already got a, you've it's already, the, the, you the, can't the make it more dead. broke. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the worst case scenario is it's, yeah. So, and I've, I've, I've been able to solder a lead on doing doing some surgery no, that way as that's, well that, that's, that's impressive <laughs> no that's yeah. desperation is what <laughs> yeah. it is yeah it is and but it, it was it worked and that that is really a good good phrase to to remember you can't make it more broke if you've you've got some, some a part or a machine that that's not it's not working it's broke it's it. We we may I may try it. I mean yeah and you can't make it more broke yeah, it might work yeah and well now if we want to get serious, you can make it more broke. If you're taking this, the ICs out of the socket, you can't. If that if that yes. IC was good and you take it out and you break a leg, you, yeah, yeah you, you, you can work. make yeah, it worse. So that's why work. you do have to be careful when you take them out. And when I say be careful, this it's you know there's a procedure to take it out, but there's also just sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. No matter how good you are at extracting that IC, sometimes it's just going to happen. Exactly, exactly, and that's just cause heat. And time yeah. and age has just wore it out, and it's just it's waiting to break. And it that could be where your problem is. Could yeah. be why you don't have what you need on there. And if and if you ever take a chip out of the socket, always get your magnifying glass. Look down in the the where the pins go. Make sure that none of those wipes are 
tarnished, missing, bad condition, yeah. battery corrosion. You know, there's so many. You know, make sure it's good. And sockets are cheap. So my, you know, Rusty, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I have fixed so many games just because of bad sockets. So many times just that's the swipe problem. Swipe out the, change out the sockets, put everything back together, and hey, what do you know? It all works. You know, even if they use the best available sockets back then, it's still thirty, 30 plus years, years, yeah. years old. So. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, let's let's move on to the next one, which I believe is Rooks. Hey, we just bought three games for our business. The games work fine, but we are trying to switch the games back to where they take money to play games. Right now, they're on free play. So that's kind of a generic question, so we're going to give a bit of a generic answer to that. Yeah. Really, it just comes down to how do you make a game free play and how do you switch it back. Switch it back. And the answer is not the same for all games. Yeah. And you have to, you really just have to look up the, the manual for manual that. Manual on the game. And actually, I think it's kind of mostly based on um, the age of the machine. The older the machine, you're going to get into dip switches. The right. newer machines, you're going to get into actual setups. Right. And that's that's exactly it. So, and, you know, there 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 is one game I want to talk about that, threw me for a loop and it's sitting right over there star wars i got and there's probably there may be other atari games that are like this if you look at the manual for star wars the old atari vector star wars it tells you how to put the game on free play and it's a dip switch setting in the manual guess what that's not where it is not. it that there is a dip switch there is a you know that but you change it Man, it's it's not on free play, and it's in the uh, the menu for it, the service menu for it. But that's not what the manual says, or at least the printing. You know, there's different revisions of uh, printing for the Atari manual. Well, you know, in a lot of these cases, in the production of these machines, the engineer said, "Hey, this is the way we're going to do this. We'll do it on the dip switches and stuff." And then, as the programming comes along, they figure out a way they could do it in the setup mode. And then they just bypass. We made need it better. We made it better. We'll update the menu. No, they'll yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah, they'll they'll know. And then they don't. That change doesn't make its way back down to through the documentation ladder to get to the people making the manual. So that's the simple part of the answer. You you know it's it's pretty easy to change it. And we have to go under the assumption that the coin mix. Well, there's two things. Is are the switches still there? Are they still wired up? Yeah. And are the coin make the? Um, is there a good name for the modules that go into the coin door? That's like the twenty-five cent one or the token one. Yeah, they're one? called uh, coin rejectors. Are they? Yes, and the reason they're called that's, so that's not the actual button. You the the the, divide, the thing itself, the module itself, is a coin rejector. Yeah, yeah. It's because those coin rejectors, when you drop a coin in there, it's not deciding whether or not it's a good coin. It's deciding whether or not it's going to give it back to you <laughs> because it's rejecting. Anything that's not a coin, it's going to reject. If it's the right coin, it's going to go ahead and let it go through and hit that switch on the way down. Then that's all it does is there's a switch just before the coin box. And only those coins that aren't rejected are the ones that are the thing. You know, another thing we should talk about now is there's another device on the coin door uh, on mo on a lot of games, it's not on everything, but there's a coin lockout coil. Yeah. And what basically what that's designed to do is, let's say you walked up to a game and it's turned off or it has a problem, and you you put the quarter in and it doesn't reject it. It, it says, hey, it's good a valid quarter. quarter. It's just going to drop through and it's not going to give you a credit because the game's turned off. The game's so turned off. what they do is they have a little. There's a spot in the coin rejector module 
for a little kind of like a pin, uh, something to protrude yeah. in there that will re always, you know, its default setting is to reject the coin. That way if the power is off, and then once the game is turned on, it's ready to accept credits, it pulls in. It's just a little coil. It pulls in, and it allows coins That's to come through it. So correct. that yeah. does have to work, be yes, operational. Yes, and, and it does that also, like in some games, it's in middle of gameplay. It'll be turned off, right? So that you can't put a pinball coin machines. In there. If it has max credits on it, it won't it, let you it add will, coins. Yeah, right? It will reject them all. Yeah, yeah. So, that so you can, if you don't fun. have a coin lock coil and you don't want to put one in, you can just set it where it's always going to take it, and you just assume nobody's yeah, <laughs> going to yeah. put a so quarter in. in it. Yeah. So here's the thing, and I've done that before. Here's the thing: you want to change it back to free play. If it's been on free play, there is a very good possibility of two things: one, the wires may not, may or may not be connected to the switches, and the coin rejector component could be gone. It may not even be in there. Now you can buy these, but then you're going to buy them in 25 cent increments, and then how many? How much do you want that gang to play for? I mean, you're going to let them play for a quarter. Well, that that's most games now only pay for 50 cents or so. So, yeah, you're going to have to think a little bit about how you want the price of the game. But that's pretty easy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and, and and most games do allow you to make, all right, you got to put in four credit, four coins, four quarters before you can play a game. And they, they will allow you to do that. Tell you what, Rusty, let's, uh, we're, we're, we've kind of wrapped up with these questions. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about some of the things we've been dealing with in the arcade lately. These are just some things we jotted down quickly that are kind of fresh on our mind because we've dealt, you and I each have dealt with one of these items recently. Yeah, and I think these things that we're going to be talking about are also common things across boards that other people see uh, because it's, it's what we see that we have to fight all the time. And there's some things here, and, Ed, and Eric's going to educate me on some of these things for example gun games we have a we have a, a gun game it's called quick draw showdown and it's a 90s game that was a laser disc game that was converted into a pc based game and, and yeah, it re-released re like re 2002 yep 2002 and it's a great game we're trying to get it to work but we're really having trouble the game works it comes up it boots it plays it does what it's supposed to but the gun when you fire the gun at the screen you sometimes it'll work the first time the screen will see, screen will see it. Sometimes it'll take three or four shots before it sees it. Of course, by then it's quick draw game, right? You're dead. <laughs> it's too late. Game. And yep. we're going to divert really from the solution because it has not. This one has this not one been has fixed. Not been but fixed. what we're going to talk about is how do gun games work? Now there are two different types of gun games, and the more common one is this type of game where you have a gun you can hold in your hand. It's attached by some type of flexible cable to the main machine. And this is versus like a, one of those ones over Zombie there. Zombie Raid over there. Revolution. And Terminator uh, 2. Yeah, the ones and where basically you have a, a solid mount a gun, gun that's mount, and you can move it, you can tilt it on the axis slightly, however many degrees, yeah. but it stays on the machine. Yes. And those are those are done differently. We'll 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 talk about that before we get off the subject. But the ones that you hold in your hand, it is the gun is actual actually a receiver, not a transmitter. So the gun does not emit any kind of light. It's a light gun, but it does not emit light. So let's talk about why that is, because I think it's important for people to think about monitors as yes. strictly an output device. Right. You cannot take input from a monitor. 
So if the if it's not the, a, it's not a camera. It's correct. It's a, if, that's right. If the camera, if the gun was a light gun, as people like to call it, and that's a good, that's still a good designation. Yeah. For what it is. Yeah. But it does not shine to the TV screen because the monitor it's can't dumb. do anything with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can't do anything with it. Go ahead. It would, and that really kind of sums it all up. We'll go into it a little more technical, but the if you had a high-speed camera and you could see what a raster monitor does, raster versus a vector, which is what you're going to have in almost every game, video game, it scans, It's it like I said earlier, the best analogy is an old typewriter. It yes. starts at the upper left-hand part of the screen and it draws from left to right that top line. All right, then it gets to the far right-hand side. It drops down one line, goes all the way back to the left, and it draws the next line. And it does draw. It takes. It's. It takes. What is the math on that? It's a 60 hertz. What's one over six? Anyway, it's. It's quick. It's quick. It's in the millisecond range yeah, of drawing really the screen. So it does all this, and it's hitting these phosphors. And we have this thing called persistence of vision. So it looks like the whole screen is there, but really, it's only. It's, it's doing it just a little, you know, rapidly going across. If you want to understand this a little better, video a TV screen. Yeah. Not an LCD, but video a an old two-type CRT. CRT screen, and you'll see these black lines kind of roll The sync rates are, it. yeah. Because <laughs> they won't be synced together. Once again, if you had a high-speed camera that was fast enough, you would be able to see this. I saw a YouTube video one point where they actually slowed it down and saw the screen. Oh, really? It. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. have to look for so that again. So now, if you think about that's going on, the game board is, the game board tells the monitor when to start each whole new picture as well as each horizontal line. The whole picture is at 60 hertz, so that's however many, one over, <laughs> yeah, many. do the math. It's that many milliseconds. And the horizontal, it's 15.7 kilohertz for a CGA monitor. That's really, really fast. So if you think about the game board already knows where the monitor is, is drawing. Even though the, you know, the monitor is kind of free running on its own, the game board still knows where it's drawing. Okay, so the player pulls the trigger on the gun. The game board, the common thing to do is just to make like a little uh, blotch, like a white, you know, it can, it can put a white spot that you'll never see. It's too fast. And the game, the gun can receive that through its little lens and it will know white, you know, bright versus not bright. And, you know, just to go a little bit geekier, a little bit deeper on this, Nintendo, and I did this thing with the old NES with the gun, the Duck Hunt game. Oh. And I suspect this is done with the arcade games as well because, you know, once you understand what that is, well, you could just take a flashlight and point it in and it would Win every time. And so they do this quick, you know, in the area where you should be, they can do a, a white circle and then they can immediately do a black circle and so it knows if it's just a flashlight pointed at it then it's no, it no good there. so that's how it all works and you know that's pretty that's in 
it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It just knows where the beam is, it, and it can put a white dot there. And, uh, you know, I said earlier, a circle. It's, it's, I'm not sure if it just does a single little one dot or if they kind of, you know, go through the next line and do another one. But the point is, is this light is coming from the CRT into the gun game. So why can't you use an LCD monitor on a gun game? Because an LCD monitor is not a raster monitor. It's basically basically displaying everything at one time. Yeah, everything's just glowing. Yeah. So there's just no distinction of, you know, one area. For, it, just, it just doesn't work yeah. for that so reason. So here's, here's a question then. In this game, you have one, not just one spot, but there is a big square that is a valid anywhere inside that square is a hit. So how does it know how in that it whole know? square? Well, and and I am, this is a little bit of educated guesswork on my okay. behalf because when you pull that trigger, we're talking about this now, you know, once you're you, this millisecond or whatever the time frame is, where that, you know, one spot would be, it, it can be, it can be a bigger, like it can, as it's scrolling across, it can do that larger square because you don't have to have it at that exact moment where it's in that exact spot. You know, it's drawing 60, 60 screens a second. Let's yeah. say you only take one sixtieth. You know, you take one, uh, you know, you, you've got, you, you, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Let's say you only take one frame, which is one sixtieth of a second. That's way too fast to see. Yeah. You could draw out your a larger whole square. blob or square or whatever you wanted to. It's and just fa it's, it's fast hot. enough. Yeah. yeah, it's fast enough. Well, I could see how that could work because it actually, the bullet, it knows where it is. Even if you're not in that square, it knows where it is. And it may be just running and that's all a about whole the dot programming. all the way across. And it, it sees it, it. It goes, oh, okay. Well, if I saw it, it here, be. then it must be where that dot And is. The, the, what I'm giving is. I don't is, know. We're going to have to. I'm going to have to do some gonna research We're going to have to buy a high-speed camera. There you go. I Let's mean, you know, they're that. like 10,000. Oh, yeah, we can go It's all in the name of <laughs> research, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Send well, in your donations so that. There you go. We'll take the money we make off the podcast, <laughs> but buy a high-speed camera with it. Money anyway. we make. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I, it's going to be interesting next week. Week or next time we come back, we I we we will be talking about what we did to fix this game because this game will be fixed and on the floor. If you haven't ever seen these games, it's great. The holster, the guns in a holster, and he and you have to watch somebody. He draws. You got to draw, and it's quite a fun game to play. And we really need to get that one on the floor. And you know, back before we get jump to the next topic the games like the revolution x or whatever that you have here they just the the i guess you could call it like an x-axis and a uh y-axis of the gun of the gun where it swivels it's just on a potentiometer it just knows yeah. where you're, you're you know and i have never put an lcd in one of those games but i would say theoretically you should be able yeah to. you should be able to do that yeah 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 even the and the the really old you go even further back you go back into the electromechanical yeah. games now they didn't use a potentiometer they actually used big swiper boards Swipes, underneath and you'd have, pins. And you'd have little so, pins which that means make the, the resolution of it it's not analog it's not an analog potentiometer it's a resolution of like six dots or yeah, whatever yeah exactly a, exactly you could have like 15 or 20 dots so it knew where the gun was pointed kind of if you hit <laughs> if you were on the dot yeah you, know, you may clue pull the trigger and it's not on the dot well it's not going to do anything because you're not it <laughs> may it may still fire but you're not going to hit anything because you're not on the dot 
So well, anyway, let's jump on to the next topic. And this is something that you had to deal with um, recently on a scramble, Stern scramble game. And that was the uh, that's the one with the uh, microprocessor, the Z80. Oh, yeah. You know, and and I had no idea when I got into that scramble. We actually had two of them and we got one of them to work and then we start, but we used parts off the other one. So then we're like, okay, well now we got to get the other one to work because we have two locations, two scrambles. We can do that. So we started working on that, and it appeared that one of the processors wasn't working. And it is a Z80 process. It's actually a Z80A processor. We didn't have a Z80A, but we have a Z80, so we put the Z80 in there. Well, then it, it almost worked. It was kind of weird. We got different images on the screen. It was kind of weird, like it was it was almost dragging down and going slow. And, well, sure enough, it's because the difference between a Z80 and a Z80A is the speed. Right. And now I, I, I knew about this from dealing with some other stuff previously. And back in the time period of that game, there basically were three processors that you would have. You would have the Z80, Zilog, Z80. The 6502, what's that? Uh, what is that? Mostek, I think. M O S T E K. Uh, and you would have the Motorola series, the 6800 series, series. Uh, which could be a 6800, 6802, 6808, 6809. Nine, yeah. um, and they, the 60, uh, the 6502, same deal. You had a, you had an A variant of it. The 6800, I don't know that there was a variant of that, but the 6809, which was really common in Williams games, like Defender, Robotron, etc., there are different versions, at least two, and I think possibly even more versions of that. And they Same deal, different speeds. Now, some of that was a product, I believe, of just as technology would advance, they would have a faster processor and you'd have the different suffix, but some of it was from what they call binning, as in um, when they're sorting out, they could test these processors and say, okay, let's run it up up to this speed, this speed, this speed, oh, this is where the star have it, this one's good up to this speed, and they put it in this bin. And they, you know, and then that would be kind of the sort. I know that was a pretty common. That was a very common thing on, on not just processor chips, but all sorts of, of chips as well. Because yeah. I've I've dealt with that before. And since so, you know, this, this part of what we're talking about is going to be rather brief. Just you know, know that different if they're different ver, you know, if that schematic calls for the A, you have to get the A. Yeah. And usually the slower process, like a like a uh, from memory, I think a. Um, uh, like a 6502 is like uh, one megahertz, and a, maybe a 6502A maybe two megahertz. You'll see that in a lot of Atari games, and you same deal. You have to yeah. get the exact. Yeah, the one. Z80 I believe is 2.4 gigahertz megahertz, and then the the uh, megahertz, and then the uh, A is I think a four megahertz. Four megahertz. Chip. Okay, so now that we're on that subject, yeah, once again, that's pretty straightforward. You know, whatever your manual calls for, you you have to get that that version of it. But this goes a, a little bit further because you also have EPROMs and RAM that are the same thing. Like a RAM, you'll, you know, like a, like a common RAM, like a 4116, a 6116, a uh, 4064, you know, there's a bunch of them, but you will always see a suffix on the number of like dash 15, dash 25. And those are the, that's the speed of the RAM. And you'll, you know, there's no clear answer to what's what's what you have to kind of look at the data sheet just pull up the data yeah. sheet for it 
and you have to go as fast or faster than what's called for. It's no yeah. no no hurry no no worry rather to put a faster, faster one. In. Same thing with the processor. You can if it only needs a Z80, you can put a Z80 in, in there and it'll work. You just can't back up. Right. And uh, EEPROMs are that way as well. Although I personally have never had a problem with that. I'm not saying it's not out there, but EEPROMs are usually faster than what the processor needs. So that's once you know, I've burned a lot of EEPROMs in my life, and that has yet to be a problem. Come so back. anyway, interesting, interesting. And and one of the reasons we brought this up because the Z80s, and then I was trying to trace down an old TRS-80 because I learned how to program in 79, 80, 78, 79 on a TRS-80. Gosh, Rusty, you're old. Really old, really old. <laughs> no, my first computer was a TRS-80 also. Yeah, yeah, and and I found out that the TRS-80 actually has a Z80A, Z80 chip in it and this Model A, Model 1, Model 2, because the Model 1, model they, one was, was the was just the first one. It was yeah. just called TRS-80. Then the Model it 2 had, came out. It had the Z80A in it. Oh, okay. And everything from that age, if it had a microprocessor in it, it was probably one of those three, uh, an Atari 2600. I think it used a 6800 Motorola. The Apple used a 6502. I yep. mean, it, they all did. You yeah. know, it's it. that was what you had to pick from. Yeah. Well, they're processors. That's, that's what they were made for. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Actually, I think for time's sake, I think I may skip okay. this. We'll and this back. is something, this next one that we're going to talk about is something that, this is going to be a quick one. This is something you don't you don't know anything about, I bet. Or You're right. This, I can't read your handwriting. Uh, There's Norton, no I way can I can barely read it. Yeah, I can battery. barely read That it. says battery. Is it battery? Oh, does that say a battery? That says battery. Why do we need batteries? Why do we Why do we need batteries? I'm opening up the package as we're, as we're talking here because I have this. And I'm going to probably have to turn the light on on my phone. That's an so interesting battery. That doesn't look like a battery. I know it doesn't. That is a square box with little legs oh. on it. So what I found out, I was oblivious to this information until a few days ago. Uh, we have a we have a San Francisco Rush. We have a Rush, what is that, 2049? What's the new one? The uh, 2049, right? Or yeah, 2048? Yeah, yeah. 2049. 2049. Yeah. And it's not saving its settings. It has. Uh, we put it on free play every day. Because yeah. it doesn't remember its settings. Yeah, so, you know, the first thing you think about is, does do you have non-volatile memory? Do you have, which is like an IC, your memory chip that just, you don't need any external power. Doesn't or forget. does it have a coin cell battery, uh, you know, a little CR uh, battery? Or does it have a NICAD, you know, what is saving its memory? And so this game was, well, I, I found out that this, and I'm opening up the package so Rusty can see this as we're talking has this let's see what let's describe this postage stamp with about the size of a postage postage stamp rectangular one inch by about a half inch and the thickness of i don't know about five millimeters or so quarter inch. Ye yellow uh yellow case four four leads on it that snaps into the board well what i found out was not only is this what rush 2049 uses but quite a few games uh, I think mostly from Atari of that era use. Does and it say battery on there or not? Because I would have never looked at this and you thought, would never that's a battery. Ever, ever look at it and think that it's a battery. That's a battery. No, there's nothing on there that says and that's your a vision may battery. be better than mine because I can't read the number. Oh, I nope. bet I can read it on here if I there's can't. a 
No, this has no markings yeah. on it. It's just a little yellow box, little yellow rectangle box, quarter inch thick by one inch by half inch, and that's it. With look at all the legs. So it's got four, four legs. I, I think you know there are only two active legs legs on it, but it's a lithium battery. The point of this is huh. there's nothing profound about finding a battery on a game board, but you would if you looked at a this at a Rush 2049 game board and you we're looking for a battery. This, I'd look right past you this. Would absolutely I'd look right past this and go, where's right the battery at? Where's the, that's really crazy. Man, I wish I could read this number off on it. Oh, that is that it right there? I think that's it right there. Yeah, in fact, that's what I looked at, looked up. It's, uh, if you want to look this up on eBay, just so you can see what I'm talking about, it's an M as in Mike, 4T as in Tango, 28. M42, M4T, 28 dash BR12SH1. I know that's a mouthful of numbers, but you know you can rewind and yeah, hear rebound, me say that again. Yeah. Mike Four Tango Two Eight Dash Bravo Romeo One Two Sierra Hotel One. Yeah. All right. So that'll show you what that is. But that's that's weird. A common, I've never seen common. That. So if you've got a late '90s Atari game and you aren't able to retain the memory on it. This is that's, what you need. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Wow. So. And now do they just snap in? You they just snap in. Really? Yes. And when we get done here, we could we walk just go over snap there and we it in. Go do it. Watch her go. Well, if our that's microphone really cables cool. were long enough, we could do it while we're <laughs> on there. Yeah, but it's about, cool. it's about yeah, it's 50 feet away. We <laughs> can always hook up the wireless ones and walk over there. Well, that's pretty cool, man. I've never yeah. seen that. That's impressive. Yeah. Learn something every day. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one. We have this is a pretty, we're going to go into the world of pinball. So this is a, I, I hate to say it, but it's a pretty common problem with a certain type of pinball machine. So yep. in the 90s, there's a, let, let me back up a little bit. In the, in the 80s, you had two different companies. Um, two of the companies that made yep. pinball machines were Bally and Williams. You had other companies. You had Gottlieb, and, but those two companies were competitors. Well, in the late 80s, they merged. One bought the other. They whatever. They became one company, Bally Williams, and then they started making. You know, they each had their their hard their hardware Way for their computers yep. uh, for doing pinball machines, and they merged and said, "Well, let's you know come up with a whole new one for our new new machines." Well, that system is called WPC, as in that's Williams Pinball Controller, Pinball Computer, Pinball Controller, whatever, whatever it is. Make up whatever words yeah, you whatever want. Yeah, whatever you want. WPC. <laughs> yeah, WPC. So, and the early variants of that were WPC 89. So, I guess that's the year it came out. I think it came out with, uh, like, Bride of Pinbot. Um, and through the end, right up until the end, with the exception of, like, the, the Pinball 2000 games, like Revenge yeah. from Mars and the they Star Wars game. But, and then you had a slight change where you had WPC 95 games, so anything from 95 and beyond. So this whole, category, this whole grouping of games, we just call them WPC games. So if you, had a Bally, if you had a Bally Williams pinball machine that had a dot matrix display on it, it's a WPC game. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know I said brought a pinball, which is not... Yeah, but as you get, but it's it's it's, a, it's, yeah. it's yeah. the one right before DMD. So the problem that they have with that game is well, they weren't great when they were new, but now yeah. that they are some twenty plus years old, they're tired. They're tired, and you'll be playing the game. You hit the flippers, the machine resets. 
or yeah. the ball just hitting a whole bunch of stuff. In yeah, the game just resets. you're in the middle of not while it, it's not going to happen while it's just sitting there idle in a track mode. But as you're playing it, the game resets. Well, the cause of that is a starvation of the five volt supply line, and it's just yeah, and it's. It's a kind of a lengthy fix. You have to kind of fix all the things that are wrong. Like you have to um, replace the connectors, both the male and female connectors where all the power goes to the thing. You have to replace, I mean, there's a whole laundry list of things you have to do. Now, in the real world here in the arcade, we had a game that was doing it and we're about to apply the fix for it, but the cheat you can do with it that works a lot of times is, as simple as this sounds, is you just move it closer to your primary power source. Yep. Plug it straight into the wall versus an extension cord. Yeah. Then it then it's not then it gets the full full flow of juice instead of sharing the flow of juice. And you know, expanding on that, I'm one of the uh, organizers for the Houston Arcade Expo and we have all the pinball machines there and this is and this what we're talking about has always been a problem and we'll get you know that this oh this machine's resetting okay we're gonna put this machine right over here by the outlet itself and it's not even going to a surge protector plug it straight in and I, it, it almost always works. works but yeah. that's the that's the band-aid that's not the that's yeah. not the surgery to fix it's gonna it. get worse yeah so you've got a couple of options here. You can do what I just said. You can go through, and there's, the, you know, you can dig deeper and go online, look at some of the forms. They can tell you exactly what you need to replace. But there's, once again, as I said earlier, a laundry list of things that you have to do to it, and you'll get it back to when it was a new machine. Now, we've got some. There's a product that's been out for gosh, about five years now. That this. Oh, I'm going to do my best uh, to give you the right website for this. You may even want to try to pull this up on your phone. Uh, look, look this up, Rusty, on your phone, or or I can do it on my. Look up. I think it's kahr.us, like Kilo Alpha Hotel Romeo.us. Look that up. I think that's the website. Kahr.us. This is what you call being prepared. So he's typing as fast as. Uh, we can here on that but basically so this guy made this module that uh plugs into it and i'm not even going to explain the technical side of it because did i get it right yeah that's it so this is yeah that's the that's wpc it right there. power yeah so it's like board. a little daughter board it's about 50 bucks but you know what is your time worth you know th and this is kind of a re-engineering this is this is you know, one could argue and say that this is a mod that kind of, you know, but it's a very effective way of it kind of redistributes power. And I'm not even, once again, I'm not even going to go into the technical side of how it works because you can go to the website and it, it lays it all out there of exactly what it does. But it and is it's the, got LED lights all over it, which is awesome. Yeah, you gotta love lights on your on your product. <laughs> well, you know, and it's telling you if it's if it's green, it's good. If it's red, it means this. If it's flashing red, it means this. If it's blue and lit, it means this. If red and blue it means this, that's awesome. It's, if you it's have great. a power supply that tells you how it's feeling. So <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, this is a good and it sounds like I'm plugging this guy, which is exactly what I'm doing. So if you have that you know, if you have that problem with it, look into that. It's just so much easier to do this than than the other things. I well, no, it's easier to move where your power plug is plugged in, but you're not really fixing the problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the other th part of that fix too is to redo the uh, the capacitors on the yep, power supply absolutely. inside. You're going to have to do yep. those. 
And now, do you still have to do the cap change no, if you're no. going to do? When you, just, you do, as soon as you do this, you're you're done. You're, you're golden. Yeah. Wow, this yeah. is that's that's awesome. That's awesome. We'll have to look into so, that. So anyway, just if you're if that's a if you have one of those machines, just consider that. You go to the website; they, it will explain it further on the uh, yeah. on the website. I so that one. Uh, we're going to talk about two more things, uh, Rusty. This one was yours. I actually don't even know what your solution was. This, if you can read my oh, handwriting, asteroids. Our asteroids. We had an asteroids vector game. We had an asteroids original at our other location. We've had it for years. And we first got it had this horrible hum all the time. Was it in key? I mean, could you like this? It well, was it, it slightly mine, off key. So it wasn't key. Um, <laughs> boo, boo. So that was a bad joke on top of a bad joke. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They have to figure that out. Bad later. joke squared. <laughs> um, so, but it just always hummed. Now, generally, when you hear an audio hum, you're thinking more of. Uh, there's a floating ground somewhere. There's a ground right. issue somewhere's on up. And I don't have any idea what the what, I don't know anything about this story you're telling me so yes you're normally a hum it's like a 60 hertz or really it's yep. 120 hertz it's the double it's yep. it's bad filtering in the power supply I hope I didn't exactly no no okay, no. you're good. exactly right because that's what we chase down we chase that down and, and anybody's ever dealt with audio equipment and you hook up two or three different audio pieces together you get a hum until you connect a common ground, ground grounding problem all, right? right ground them all together because you have this floating ground you need to isolate we had this ground and this audio and then one of the one of the other owners or several people had told us well that just happens in these these <laughs> machines and they're hard to find you're not going to find it and we left it and we left it and we left it well one of our guys one of our new techs He's just a more of an electronics nerd than some of the others. He's more very than me. <laughs> and he started working with it, and it really frustrated him. He pulled it back into our back. He was messing with it. Couldn't find any of the ground. So he went to the audio chip itself. Now, remember, all the sounds were working great. All the sounds were working perfect. He replaced the audio chip with a new audio chip. And the hum went away. So when you say audio chip, I'm guessing what you're talking about is the audio amplifier. Yeah. Okay. And it just went away. Wow. So there was a floating ground somewhere inside the audio chip itself. Wow. That's that's pretty pretty neat. Because you know normally what you would see, like you said, it's it's usually either a ground problem or a power supply filter problem. Filter problem. That yeah. 60 hertz hum gets in there. And you can kind of use your meter. You can look at like whatever your power supply voltage is for your amplifier chip. You, you, it's a DC voltage, but you put your meter on AC and see if there's any AC ripple on it. But not the problem. That's oh, interesting. Oh, we did it. We did it over and did over it and over again. Try to find it. Yeah, and it's been there. It's been like that for years. And now we have a now we have a quiet. It's awesome because you'd go into the one room. We have all the vectors, and all you hear is that asteroid sitting over there going. Ah. <laughs> and it's so nice that it's not not so loud now. That's well, really awesome. We're gonna go over one last thing, and this is gonna be all you, Rusty, because you're the one that dealt with it. I guess first you have to talk about what the kind of explain the. You know, we did it on the last show, but you can yeah, explain we talked it a little again. bit about the G Lock. The G Lock is a fully full motion uh, sit down cockpit ride in. It's afterburner, uh, right? Afterburner. It's the, it's afterburner. Is it the same? Three. Like if you play, do we have an afterburner? They here? are a little different. They're different. They okay, are so a we've got a stand-up afterburner. Yeah. So it's yeah, they are a little bit different, 
And uh, this G-Lock, actually, the G-Lock that's in here is also the one they ported over to the PlayStation or Xbox. The Dreamcast, wherever they maybe, since it's yeah, Sega? Yeah, the Dreamcast, yes. That, that, this is the code that they ported okay. over. Okay, so it's really like that. But here was the problem. Uh, it didn't, the, the movement didn't work right. And, and so this this is a you sit down in it and it has these pistons that uh, actually it's electric motors that spin okay and they just turn a like drive a linear screw. actuator yep it just okay. turns a drive and there's screw. How, there's four of them there's two two of them all it does is two it's okay. amazing how much this machine moves with two screws and that's it and so it's and it's pretty fast too it is oh yeah it's very quick it jumps up and down and moves around so what it actually so there's there's sensors to know when it's when it's at the limits of up and down there's sensors to know how much it's moving and there's sensors that has to be tied in together so that it knows when the left hand side moves and the right hand side moves are they moving together and in right. sync and that's the one we were having trouble with they call it a volume control oh in the schematic in the schematic is called a oh, volume so you, control you know when I last talked to you about it you were having a serious problem finding a schematic for that game so you yes. fi you finally found one. Well, we found a uh, pieces of schematic because this <laughs> is this is the motor drive for this game is very common issues and it's there's a lot to the process that makes this run game work and run like it does. But one of the but so it uses but it uses a standard 50k or 5k 50k. Uh, I think that, no, they were 5K. 5K pots. Which is, by the way, I'm going to kind of go off on a slight tangent here. Go ahead. Almost all arcade machines that use a potentiometer, like racing games, 5K is the common size. There's Perfect. like almost always a 5K pot. And this conversation that Eric just relayed to me was the exact conversation I had with him about a week ago, saying, "Hey, this is what I'm going on." He goes, "Oh, well, there's 50K, they're 5K pots, and they all use the same pots, and they're all Segas, and you ought to be able just to go." So we did. We went out and I got bought a 5K pot. He actually said, oh, look, I, Eric even said, hey, look, I've got a box of five that I bought. Well, first, we want to make sure that you buy good pot, potentiometers, not Wait, the Rusty, cheap you said you got to buy gotta good buy pot. You got to buy good pot. Buy good pot. <laughs> Family and show, Rusty. You got to get to good, because these things are going to be constantly in use and voltage going through them. You have to have a, a good potentiometer. So we got these. They're probably $14 a piece, yeah, they're, the ones they're, I bought. The good ones are, you know, if you kind of just look up the part number of the original. You, and another thing that, you know, I don't even know if you knew, know what I'm about to tell you, but when you're talking about potentiometers, you have um, linear taper and you have audio taper. And the uh, linear taper basically means it's, as the name implies, linear. If you go 20% up on the on the turn, it's 20% of the resistance. The audio taper is a logarithmic scale and just look up logarithmic and it'll tell you what that, but you don't use that. You, you there, you know, a volume knob uses that, that type of um, knob. But well, see, that's why I'm think, wondering if, if that's why they call it the volume control mm. on the thing, but I don't know. Anyway, the whole thing was, is that they're very common. They're what they all use it. So we got them and we go to put it in there and the shaft's the wrong size. Yeah. It's smaller than, even though the whole that it uses to go through the mounting device is exactly the same and the little nuts will transfer over the shaft itself is a different size it's actually tapered down and made smaller so I haven't found that yet but the thing I guess what I'm trying to get to is that even though 
I was all excited because I could go find a 5K pots all over the place. And the shaft length changes. Mm. You can get one that's three well, inches. And that's easy. To, it's one. easy to cut that. Yeah, you can cut that off. You can always yeah. make it shorter. You can always make it shorter. You can't stretch it. But you know, well, there's the other problem is, is that so so. But now I never realized you have to look for the diameter of that pot. Right. And they all seem to be the same one. So I'm having trouble now. So now to that you've right said one. that, because you and I haven't really talked about this, but. The website I would suggest for this is Digikey, D-I-G-I-K-E-Y, digikey.com, because they're great for giving you a, a really detailed blueprint, like a, you know all the drawings of it, and they everything is linked with either a, a data sheet or it shows the Technical dimensions on well, see, it. See, and that's exactly what we need, because all the other stuff that I went to and looked, they all had the same one. I just made the assumption that they yeah. were all the same well they're not so if you do have to go in and g-lock i know the g-lock does it doesn't necessarily mean anything else does but but i would just be careful because you're fixed to spend 14 15 bucks on an electronic component that you may not be able to return right so let's make sure you get the right diameter and as you said rusty get a quality potentiometer because you can yeah, well, there aren't any more Radio Shacks, but <laughs> you can if you go on eBay and just find a cheap five. It's you'll get a year out of it. You know, yeah. maybe yeah. it'll just you. You have to get a quality one. Yeah. You need and, to get a quality one. To, it depends to on properly. the voltage and the amp that goes through this thing. And this, 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 it, it needs it needs a good quality. But um, anyway, so we're gonna have to see if we can't pull that up and take a look. Rusty, I think we have officially run out of things to talk about, at least for tonight. Yeah, I'm thinking people are probably tired of they're, listening. You know, they're tired of now. listening to us. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, if people if you it's if you run, you know, you could probably what? Get a good 4 or 5 mile run out of this. <laughs> well, if you're like us, maybe a mile. <laughs> Maybe a mile Lots walking. Of <laughs> there you go. That's it. Well, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. I'm ready to do this and keep it up. And we're looking forward to so doing. So I the next guess one. we better give. I better give out the email address one more time. Podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. Also, if you do have uh, some, you know, if you have a question and it involves something specific, take pictures. You know, make give it, put it as an attachment on there, or sometimes you know we get this sometimes. We'll get like a little, uh, even a, um, sometimes we'll even see like a little movie attached to it, or you know, link to a YouTube. Yeah, those are so, great. The more information we have, the 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 more we can center in on what your problem is going to be. Right, to the best of our ability. Right. Yep. <laughs> All right. Good deal, Rusty. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back soon. Yep. See you. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcast. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.